Smartphones are powerful tools. The things that you can see and hear and read are endless. And smartphones can be used for good or they can be used for evil. And they can get you and your children into terrible, terrible trouble. Hi, I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, and thanks for joining me today as we conclude the series, We Are Family, with a message titled, Smart Parenting in the Age of Smartphones. It is uh, estimated that 77% of Americans have some kind of a smartphone device. 77%. 75% of teenagers have one of these, an iPhone, iPhone or an Android or some kind of a smartphone. Now, these devices, we'd all have to agree, they've changed our lives. In some instances, they've changed it for good, but in other instances, they've changed it for the bad, and they have made a huge change in our teenagers. Research today shows that teens are more anxious, more depressed, and more suicidal than ever before. One researcher was looking at teen suicide, and he said he saw a spike beginning in 2007, the same year that the iPhone came on the market. You know, when the iPhone came on the market, Facebook started uh, 2003, 2004, and then you have the, all the social media things, and Twitter, I think, was 2010, and then you had uh, MySpace was big. That began in 2006, and then you had uh, Instagram and and all these Snapchat and all these things, all these social media things, and no doubt that began a lot of comparisons that people would uh, begin to compare themselves with others and live and die by likes and by followers and by comments. It's created a major change in our world, in our schools, and in our homes. Now, needless to say, parenting is a lot harder today than it was 15 years ago. Being a kid growing up is a lot harder today than it was just 15 years ago. God has something to say in His Word for the struggle that we feel as we live in this world, as we deal with technology. Ephesians chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse 11. The Scripture says this, And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, and he's probably quoting from an early first century hymn, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, 
be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, Paul wrote that when he was imprisoned in Rome between 60 and 62 A.D. That's when Ephesians was written. And it was a bad time when Paul wrote it. It is so much more an evil day in which we live today than even what Paul lived back in the first century. You say, well, why do you say that? Because of what Paul wrote, his last letter to Timothy, the last letter he ever penned in chapter 3, he said this in the easy-to-read version. I, I like that version because it puts it in the vernacular. It says this, 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1, remember this. There are some terrible times coming in the last days. I believe we're living in the last days. And some terrible times coming. People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud and boast about themselves. They will abuse others with insults. They will not obey their parents. They will be ungrateful and against all that is pleasing to God. They will have no love for others and will refuse to forgive anyone. They will talk about others to hurt them and will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. People will turn against their friends. They will do foolish things without thinking and will be so proud of themselves. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. They will go on pretending to be devoted to God, but they will refuse to let that devotion change the way they live. Stay away from these people. These are the last days. That's what it's going to be like. And I believe that we're living in the last days, and so... We are to make the most of our time because the days are evil. What does it take to be a smart, wise parent and raise godly kids? I want to share with you three insights. The first one is an overview, and the second two will deal specifically with smartphones and technology. First insight, smart parents start early. They start early in their parenting. You don't wait until your kid's able to uh, walk and talk before you start parenting. You start from the womb. So from the womb, smart parents model a genuine walk with Christ. So important to live it out before them. Evangelism is really as much caught as it is taught. I still remember my friend Lance when he had his first baby. This was years and years ago. He was in my Sunday school class when Debbie and I taught a Sunday school class in Houston. And I called Lance when he had his first child, a baby girl. And I said, Lance, how can I pray for you and Sheila? And he said, pray that my baby girl would come to know Christ at a young age. That was his heart. That was what he wanted because he wanted to raise up a, a, a girl who would love the Lord and, and walk with the Lord. Pray that she would come to know Christ at a young age. And how does a kid come to know Christ at a young age? A huge part of it is when they see Jesus real in mom and dad. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And so that's the very first thing. Smart parents start early, and they live a godly life so their kids can follow in their footsteps. From the womb, you begin that. Secondly, from the womb, we teach our kids that God is good. God is a good God. Exodus 
34 gives, God gives his resume. God speaks of himself when he appears before Moses and shows Moses the backside of his glory. The Lord, the Lord God. There's no other. His, the Lord is the only. He is God. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity, the twistedness of sin on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Hey, God, God shows loving kindness to thousands. He's skewed to the good. He visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. There's such a disparity between God's goodness versus the cost of sin and the consequences of sin that go through a family. Teach your kids that God is good. Second Chronicles 7.3, truly he is good. Truly, his loving kindness is everlasting. Now, that is going to be really important, that God is good, really important when it comes to talking about this, when it comes to talking about technology and your smartphone, because God is going to say some things that directly impact this, that you say, oh, I don't know about that, but we know that we can never go wrong doing what God says. So from the womb, we model a genuine relationship and walk with Christ. From the womb, we teach our kids that God is good. And from the womb, we make the most of our opportunity. You only have your kids in your, uh, in your home for so long. And as it says in Psalm 127, that a child is like an arrow in the hand of a mighty man. They're like arrows. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And when you have that, that arrow was a crooked stick, and when you take that crooked stick and you begin to shape that stick and you begin to sharpen that stick and you begin to polish that stick and get that stick ready, that's what a parent does with a child. Foolishness, the Bible says, is bound up in the heart of the child. They come in foolish. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. The job of a parent, to take advantage of the opportunity before him, before her. Look at it again in verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. In many translation, translations, the word time is translated opportunity. Making the most of the opportunity that you have with them. Opportunity is an interesting word. In Latin, it's opportunitas. It means toward the port. It was used in sailing. And it would say that the, the captain of the ship would check the wind, and he'd check the tide, and he'd check the current, and he would set the sail toward the port, toward where he was going, and he would factor in all these things. He would take advantage of the opportunity that he had. And a wise parent takes advantage of the opportunity, and he sets his sail toward the goal. And what is the goal? To raise up a child who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and walks in the light with the Lord. Second insight. Smart parents recognize the danger in smartphones. A smart parent is going to recognize that this little thing, there's a lot of inherent danger in this thing. 
Somebody has said, well, is this phone bad? Well, it's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily good. It's not immoral. It's not amoral. It's not uh, moral. It's not immoral. It's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It's what you do with it that can be good or that can be bad. So think of a smartphone this way. Smartphones are powerful things. They're powerful things. Somebody was asked that question, is, is this smartphone good or bad? They said it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. Smartphones, because they're powerful things, they can get you into terrible trouble. Terrible trouble, serious trouble can come through this little device. And when we talk about smartphones, we're also talking about computers. We're talking about tablets, but we don't really carry a computer or tablet in our pocket. This is the thing that goes with us. And it has access to the Internet and to all social media, and it can get you into terrible trouble. What are some of the things that can happen with a smartphone? Well, it can open the door to evil and addictions, all sorts of evil that you can see through this phone. Now, don't look for it. It will look for you. It will come to you. You can do uh, an innocuous search for something, and things can pop up, and uh, there, there is evil embedded in that Internet to come after you, to steal away your soul, to open the door to all sorts of addictions, addictions with pornography, addictions with online gambling, addictions for those who have trouble with uh, becoming shopaholics. Well, you can shop 24-7 with this thing. You can get all sorts of things. You can get yourself into so much debt, you can wreck and ruin your life morally and financially in no time at all with a smartphone. Opens the door to evil and addictions. Secondly, they can distract and harden your heart. Distract you. And harden your heart. You know, sin hardens your heart. And if this thing it becomes the gateway for sin to come into your life through lust and through greed and through other means, then it'll harden your heart toward God. The Bible says, encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Solomon was God's king in Israel, David's son, Started out so well, but he didn't finish well. Why? Because he had many wives, and his many wives turned his heart away from the Lord. He loved many foreign women. When you start to love other things and get your loves out of balance, and it turns your heart away from God. And it's a distraction. How many times do you have this happen? And I'm preaching this sermon to myself because I have trouble with this thing too. How many times do you, uh, you're sitting there and you're waiting at a red light? I'll pull out my phone, see if anybody's texted me, see if anything's going on, see what I got on Facebook. You know, I posted something. Maybe somebody likes it. You know, we live and die by the likes, by the comments. And you're, you know, you're, you're driving in your car. You're reading your text. You're texting while you're driving. It's a formula for disaster. See, we don't like to just be a alone with our thoughts, to think through things, to think about our lives. So we just distract ourselves, and we always have something filling our minds and filling our ears and uh, earbuds in our ears all the time, and, and we just stay distracted. It's very hard for God to speak to us when we're distracted. You know, the Lord speaks in a still, small voice. 
the sound of a gentle whisper. And if you're always distracted by other things, you're not going to hear his voice because he doesn't shout. He whispers. This is the way. Walk in it. So it becomes a distraction for so many of us. Thirdly, they can hurt your development and self-esteem. Teens are not developing like they used to. The studies are showing that. They're, they're slower to mature emotionally. Relationships now are all with texts, so many of them. Everything's text, text, text. One social scientist said this, you miss three key elements in a relationship if your relationship is primarily texting. Number one, you miss the element of the face of the other person. Number two, you miss the element of the sound of the other person's voice. And number three, you miss body language. You know, it's very hard to tell in a text if this person is joking or if they're serious or if they're upset or what it is. And you can take things in a way that was, it was never intended that way because it's just text and it doesn't have those other elements in it. It can hurt your development. It can hurt your self-esteem because teens especially, they live and die by the likes and by the followers. And people have so many friends and so many likes and so many streaks, and they're so lonely. And it just exacerbates the comparison game, especially with girls. Girls have trouble with the comparison anyway. That's just that's a natural thing for a girl is with insecurity. And so when they start to look on Facebook and they say, well, this person has so many friends and this person has so many likes and I don't have that many friends and I don't have that many likes and, and on this social media platform and that social media platform and they say, well, I just must not be worth very much. And they get their self-worth off of social media, off their phone. Let me tell you something. This is for everybody. What are you worth for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what you're worth. <laughs> Has nothing to do with likes. You have one big like, and that's from God. He says, I like you. I love you. I died for you. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life for you. That's how much you count, how important you are to God and how much worth you have. You're made in his image. You're a God original. We are his workmanship, the Bible says. So they can hurt your development and self-esteem. And then not only all of those things, but the smartphone can derail your family communication. 13-year-old girl was asked one day by her teacher, what are you going to do tonight? She said, I'm going to go home and watch my parents stare at their phones until we go to bed. Hey, I'm, I'm guilty of spending too much time on this thing. 
And it can become a a distraction for me. And it can start sucking up all kinds of time. And you go out to eat. What do you see? We were talking about this at prayer time this morning. What do you see when people go out to eat? Uh, Nobody's talking. They're all on their phones. This thing can disrupt your communication. There's danger in the smartphone. And then insight number three. Smart parents need to implement smartphone rules. Smartphone rules. Now, remember, rules, parents, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So the rules have to be in the context of good relationship with your kids so your kids know you have their best interests at heart and you're going to go by what God has to say. And we can trust God because God is good and God loves us. And he never leads us astray, and his will is good and acceptable and perfect. Because some of the things I'm getting ready to say for rules with your smartphone, your teenager is going to say, I didn't like this sermon at all. Let's go to another church. I mean, uh, this is not good. So rule number one, and this is for moms, dads, kids. Rule number one, we will operate our phones in the light. In the light. Ephesians 5 8 says this For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What does that mean? It means no secrets. It means you're not going to have secret conversations. You're not going to have uh, secret, uh, you know, uh, accounts on your social media where your parents don't know and husbands and wives aren't going to have, uh, well, you can't get into my Facebook, you can't see my messages because then I would be exposed. You know what integrity is, the best definition of integrity? Nothing to hide and nothing to fear. And so your spouse can see all that you're doing and parents can see what the kids are doing and they can know what's being sent out in texts and there is accountability there, and we're going to walk in the light because the devil dwells in the darkness. And if we start dabbling in the darkness, we're going to hurt ourselves, and we don't want to do that, and so we're going to walk in the light. Second rule, we'll have no smartphones at the table. No smartphones at the table, no tablets at the table. We're going to put all those up. Why? So that we can eat together and talk. And we can sit around and talk and find out what's going on and share things that happen during the day. You know, uh, you know, it's a good thing to share. I heard this from a preacher once. I thought it was really good. He would share around the table, highs and lows. Give me one high. What was a high that happened to you today? What was a low? And you go around the table and you share those things and you have fun and you laugh and you get insight from your children as to what's going on in their lives. Thirdly, we will have a smartphone curfew. Smartphone curfew. Now, you need to decide what that would be for you. Maybe it's 8 o'clock. Maybe it's 9 o'clock. Maybe it's 10 o'clock. But there comes a time where these things are put up. And wise is the parent who says to teenage boys and teenage girls, no smartphone device, no iPad or tablet, no computer in your bedroom. Why? Because they can get into all sorts of trouble. 
And then lastly, we will hold each other accountable so we can please God. Parents, let me give you a website that will help you as you monitor your kids' activities. Because there's things are changing so fast, we don't keep up. There's a website, it's called access.org. It's a website dedicated to helping parents stay current with what's going on with your children. It, it helps you to know that uh, these are the filters you can put on. These are the things that you can do to see their emails. This is how you can shut down their apps so they can't just get uh, some kind of secret app. And parents need to do that, and they need to talk to their kids about that so that they agree, hey, this is for your well-being so that you can be a person of God and walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Parenting is hard, but God will help us. He says, I know it's hard, but you come to me, and I'll give you the strength, and I'll give you the wisdom, and I'll give you the way in which you should walk. God has done some great things from his heart in 2023 through friends like you as together we've proclaimed his word to a lost and dying world. And I believe even more is possible in the year ahead as we boldly seize every opportunity to connect more people to the loving heart of God. That's why we're asking for your very best year-end gift by December 31st. Your gift today will help us close out the year on a strong financial foundation so we can share the message of hope and the good news of a great joy. The Savior has come. Now, as thanks for your year-end gift today, we're excited to send you a copy of a brand-new daily devotional book I helped write called Everyday Joy and Peace. It's filled with God's Word, an inspiring devotional message, and a heartfelt prayer for each day in 2024. It's a beautiful keepsake book you'll cherish for years. Thank you for responding today to help share the good news of Jesus with more people and change lives for all eternity. The brand new year-long daily devotional book, Everyday Joy and Peace, is our gift of thanks for your calendar year in gift today. You can make your gift when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. And thank you for joining us to share the good news of Jesus with the world. My friend, as we come to the close of the broadcast, I want to ask you, do you know for certain that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? If not, today is the day for you. Just ask the Lord from your heart, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself, but I believe that you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my all to you, and I promise to follow you all the days of my life. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in, and your life will never be the same. We would love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that God is using this program to make a difference in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please contact me, and we will help you and pray for you.